So today I'm going to talk about uh, primer on worship. Uh, so today will be part one, when we call it the worship and kingdom of God. So as we go into this, uh, let's talk a little bit about this season. So in this season, we're kind of in like a season of prayer and fasting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of verses that we want to read, and some of them maybe you want to at least know it and memorize it too. So let's do some manual Bible flipping. Let's turn to Joel 2. It's always good to like a fit your Bibles once in a while Amen. before you forget where, all, where everything is. So in Joel 2, verse 19 to verse 26, it says, The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I'm sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into parched and desolate land his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full you. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain, as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Amen. And we've got a couple of more verses here. Let's look at look here in Hosea 6, verse 1 to 3. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. He's going out as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. And also 2 Kings 13, verse 15 to 19. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elijah laid his hand on the king's hand, and he said, Open the windows eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them, and he strike three times and stop. Then the man of God was very angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So in this verse, I want us to take note when we talk about, uh, there's some significance when the Bible talks about bow and arrows. 
So a lot of times I think when he talks about arrows, it's kind of like talking about the people of God. And uh, again also when you look here in this verse, I talk about eastward. And east is always something very significant because like the things of God always is in the east. Remember in, the, in Genesis, like uh, the Garden of Eden is in the east. Then uh, Cain walked to the west, go out from the east. And you also have the Lord's arrow of victory. So it's call, calling the people of God going into the land and defeating the enemy. And uh, another verse that we have here, it's uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 10 to 14. For the land that you are entering to take possessions of, it's not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you have sowed your seed and irrigated it, like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you're going over to possess, it's a land of hills and valley, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. Amen. So I think in this season, like a perseverance is probably a pretty important thing here. Because let us continue on to hold fast to the promises that God has given to us as we read in all these verses. Let's keep on persevering. Because if we remember the revivals that precedes us, like the Azusa Street Revival, I think a lot, of what, a lot of times what happens is that you have this group of people that's continually praying. It's not just for like a day. It's not just for a month. And a lot of times it's for years and years. And sometimes they have this, like a, they call it a prayer chain where they have somebody praying at every single point of the time. There's, no, there's not a time where the prayer actually breaks. It goes on and on for years and years. Then finally, someday, like, uh, God began to move mightily. But you see like this, like this process of like, a, like praying, fasting, and like a worshiping, uh, giving, and praising God. It takes years and years sometimes. So I would like to encourage all of us to continue on to persevere in all these things. And I would say it will not be easy because the kingdom of God a lot of times is a spiritual battle. When we do stuff like this, like uh, Satan will not let you get easy. He'll come after you. Be sure that he'll come after you. Things that like, uh, you might not even think that it might happen usually might even happen like maybe someday, like uh, one day, your boss just get really, really angry for you for no reason. Then you wonder why. Or like uh, in your work, uh, suddenly like, uh, everything starts to go wrong and go haywire. So stuff like this. And I think it's, uh, but if we begin to guard our hearts and our minds, Satan cannot do much to us either. Because Christ, remember, it's our vanguard. And he has already won the battle. So like uh, recently, like, uh, we have been watching uh, World War II in Color, which is a pretty cool uh, TV show. I like it. So I think it's really interesting because uh, during World War II, uh, between uh, America and Japan, where they're having the battle in the Pacific, 
So now I got, uh, it's after uh, the battle in the midway, which the Americans have taken most of the forces. Like most of the uh, Japanese ships have been sunk, and their best fighters are all like dead already. So now they're kind of a desperate move. So what they do, they send in the kamikaze fighters. And in the starting, it might seem scary, but you see like that you cannot really survive if your plane just keep crashing. <laughs> you only have so many people and so many planes. But I think like what's interesting, it's um, here you see like the victory for America is imminent. It's definitely going to come. So now it's just really a mop-up operation to see how you can minimize your losses while continuing on to make uh, Japan surrender. And of course, later on, you have the atomic bomb which landed like everybody in the world was surprised. What is this? <laughs> Never seen it in the world before. Like everybody's like, oh, this thing is crazy. So I think it's really cool because for us, Christ has already won the victory. And we are also in a mop-up effort in this case. And the tools available to us is almost like uh, the atomic bomb that America has. We begin to praise, we begin to worship, we begin to fast, we begin to pray that like all this are almost like an atomic bomb onto the kingdom of darkness because they really cannot do anything about it. And this leads us to the tools we have as a Christian for spiritual battle. So let's take a look here. So there's five tools of spiritual warfare. It's uh, not exhaustive because I don't know everything, so I can only put them as I think of it. And so what we have here, it's praise, worship, prayer, fasting, and gifts in terms of offering and tithes. So these are the tools for war, for battle, so that we can usher in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to work with us during this season and we have times of trials and temptations. When things are not going good, you begin to sing a song to God or begin to pray to Him. You begin to be joyful. You begin to be refreshed by Him and begin to think of the word that He has given to us through the Bible. So these are all very comforting and this helps us to renew our mind continually so that we not fall under the lies of the enemy. Because the Bible says the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. So let us read here also in John 4, verse 23. It says, But the hour is coming, and it's now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him, and God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So note the words here, spirit and truth. But I think most importantly, the foundation of Christian living is really laid through the obedience to the Word of God, that it's also through loving God wholeheartedly and loving His people fervently. I think of all these things, all these tools that we have in this season, I think this is probably the most important thing. Sorry, give me a second. This thing's coming off. Because it's like our, our main calling too, which is to love God first, to serve Him first. So let us remember, let us continue on to obey the Word of God, and let us continue on to love God first, and also love His people. I think sometimes it's like a, in Christianity, loving God 
can be one of the easier part and loving his people a little bit more challenging. <laughs> but we must persevere. So let us read here uh, in the New Testament, in Hebrews 5, verse 8 through 9. It says, uh, Although he was a son, he learned obedience to what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And even Christ our Lord in his humanity has to obey also. And he has set a perfect example for all of us to follow. And also in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I think in some other translations, it says uh, in the, it's, this is a sum of the law. And so, as we see here, we will focus on primarily praise and worship from the five tools that I mentioned. Because like a, for like a prayer, fasting, and gifts, that's a lot more. I think like that we covered fasting quite a bit too, and also covered prayer. So today, I'll cover praise and worship. So what is Praise. So I went through uh, the Old Testament and New Testament to get, out, get some uh, Hebrew and Greek words from it. I think it's pretty interesting when you look at all the translation that it has. So praise here, and you can see all the uh, Hebrew there, which I won't attempt in pronouncing because it's pretty hard. <laughs> if I do that, I'll probably butcher it really, really, really hard. So the first one, you see, like it says, give thanks, confess, cast down, shoot, revere, or worship with extended hands. And others, you see, rejoice, or you can see songs of hymns, of praise in public, to praise and to boast, to sing, to praise, to make music. Then there's more. Uh, thanksgiving in the liturg liturgical sense, to laud, to adore, to extol, to promise or vow, approbation, commendation, to sing the praise of, sing hymns to. So you see, like a praise alone, it's quite a little bit. Sometimes some people like, uh, will say, like, uh, what's the difference between praise and worship? Isn't it all the same? Isn't it just worshiping God? But I think there's a distinct difference here because I think in praise, a lot of times it's a... Uh, there's a certain element of warfare, a certain element of battle. Because if you see before, there's some verses that mentions about shooting. It's almost like shooting an arrow against the kingdom of darkness. It's a lot about like a praising God, a lot about remembering what God has said in His Word to renew our minds so that when the enemy attacks you, you renew your mind and you tell yourself, oh, this is what God has said. This is his promises. I shall not be taken over by a lie from the enemy. And so then, here, let's distinct another difference between praise and worship. And what is worship? So worship here, it says, uh, for to bow down, to prostrate. I have to make sure I pronounce this correctly. <laughs> I always pronounce this wrongly. And you guys can see this is a very action term, like a to bow down, to kneel down, to 
prostrate, which is like a light laying down flat on the ground. And to kiss the hand off, to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence, to revere, to have an opinion, a view of God that is in the right sense, in the most glorious condition, in the most exalted state. And this, you see this Greek word here, doxa? It's where you get doxology. And to serve for hire, to act piously. So I think it's pretty interesting, isn't it? You can see a slight distinction here when, when it comes to worship. It's a lot about knowing God. It's a lot about serving God. It's a lot about like a experiencing Him and encountering Him. But all in all, you see, the most important thing here is praise and worship. It's usually very dynamic and very active. It's dynamic in the sense that you, you can prostrate on the ground. You can bow down. You can rejoice. You can lift your hands. And it's usually very loud. And it's also active. It's a, there's an active element in it. It's like a, it's confession, like shooting, like casting down, serving, or acting piously towards God. So now let's get into our main topic for today, worship and the kingdom of God. And let's start off with Zechariah 14, verse 17. It says, If any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of the hosts, there will be no rain on them. And to remind all of us that rain, a lot of times, refers to blessing, to the growth, to the sustenance that we have for building the kingdom of God. And when I say the kingdom of God, it's really the sphere of God's authority and rule that's mediated by its people, which is mediated by you guys. And Joshua 1 verse 3 says, Every place that the sole of your foot will thread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised Moses. And you can see the kingdom of God, it's really built by its people through the working with the Holy Spirit. And each step that we take, and each step that we go forth, and each person we talk to, we influence them in a certain degree. And our light that's within us will shine so that hopefully it's like a bright enough that you'll shine so bright that when other people see you, they'll know, oh, there's a difference about this person. I can see something different about them. Hopefully it's that case. <laughs> but I guess like a lot of times um, through the lives of the enemies, this light a lot of times can be like damped down. It can be contained. So unfortunate, unfortunately in that sense. So for us as Christians, I think like what we really need to do is to know the word of God so that when the enemy put all this light, it will not box up the light that God has given to us so that we'll be a light on the hill that everybody can see. And spiritual battle against our flesh. Of course, like I say, trials do happen. Bad things do happen to good people, as a lot of people say. Because, why? Because there's an enemy, and the enemy is continuously like a, attacking you with like the fiery darts. And of course, you need some kind of protection. And I guess uh, in the Bible, it says, put on the armor of God. And we look at each piece of this armor. It's like a lot of time, it represents something like the helmet of salvation. Putting on the helmet on your head so that you continue to remind of yourself, of your salvation, of your inheritance in Christ. 
and stuff like this. And so it's very interesting. It can be a study looking through the armor of God. And also, you have to remember this uh, five tools, praise, worship, prayer, fasting, and gifts. And I kind of, kind of try to boil this like, uh, tools down into its most basic form. So because some, maybe some of you guys might say, oh, how about deliverance? But I would say in some ways, deliverance is kind of like a combination of praise, worship, and prayer at the same time. You also have fasting is also included. So a lot of things that we do here, it's all of this is together. But I thought one thing was interesting, it's gifts. Because I think in gifts, there's also a lot of promises where you faithfully tithe to God and faithfully give to His work. So we see that uh, praise and worship are an act of warfare. Let's look at Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And it's Psalms 149, verse 6 through 9. Let's turn there. Let's continue on practicing our Bible flipping skills. There's certain joy in flipping the paper <laughs> instead of clicking. So if you are there with me in Psalms 149, verse 6 through 9, it says, Let the high praises of God be in their throats and the two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written, this is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Amen. So here you see two parts. The first part is um, us being a judge before God. And if in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, or do you not know that saints will judge the world and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? So you see, like our role in one part is really also to execute vengeance, to bind the kings of darkness. And also the other part that you see here, it's mentioned about like a high praises of God and also the two-edged sword. And when we look at the two-edged sword, what is it? So if you look into the Bible in the New Testament, in Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, so let, let us look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. You'll see a lot of these verses that I'm mentioning. You'll see uh, when we have a spiritual battle, it is spiritual, it's not fleshly. Pretty simple spiritual battle. You battle it spiritually. You don't take like a gun into a spiritual battle. You don't take a gun into a deliverance. 
that, that will probably be the last time they'll invite you. <laughs> <laughs> so last on your reading, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So as this verse has pointed out, there is like a, a lot of times there's an earthly realm and there's also a spiritual realm. And whatever happens in the natural, the earthly realm, is a lot of times a result of the spiritual. And it's the same, the opposite way too. So when it comes to facing challenges, for example, like social issues like abortion, uh, in terms of like a marriage, like uh, tensions that happens throughout, and like our fleshly desires, we should understand that they are first a spiritual issue. And when we come to spiritual issue, like I said, we have to battle it spiritually. And how do we battle it spiritually? It's through these tools that we have with praising God, with worshiping God, with prayer, with giftings, and with one more that I'm missing. I think I said worship. Fasting. Fasting, that's right. You guys are learning well. <laughs> so uh, recently, some of us has watched a movie Unplanned. So in this movie, I really like the scene where Sean from the Coalition of Life, he said uh, when Abby Johnson went there like, crying, and Sean said, Something like along the lines like, we have been praying for years for this day to happen. I think it's a really good example of a spiritual battle that's fought a lot way before everything that really actually happens physically. I think this is a good example of usage of a tool of prayer. And I'm pretty sure there's not only just prayer alone, there's probably also praise and worship. And people probably also worship God and also praise God for this issue. And so I would say to all of, God, all of us, and I'll challenge all of us, that when we approach these issues, let us continue on to praise, to worship God, and let us continue on to fast and to pray a lot for this, and of course to be obedient in our gifts too. And when I talk about the obedience to the Word of God, uh, the Bible says it's, it's knowing God, and the know here, it's uh, the word, Greek word gnosis, and it's not just like what we think of normally knowing, like I know Amber. It's a bit more than that when you talk about knowing, it's like a, it's experiential. It's knowing in your mind, but also knowing through experience and also being aware of its presence to also hear and to obey him, to act as his ambassadors. And I guess something encouraging for us is we are not alone in all these things. Because God, in the form of Holy Spirit, is here to help us and guide us in all our ways. So let's also take a look at Matthew 12, verse 29. It says, Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. And also Jeremiah 50, verse 14. And... Uh, I'll use the King James Version here because I think it's an interesting translation there. 
Put yourself in array against Babylon roundabout. All ye that bend the bow, shoot. So this word here, shoot, it's the word yada, which I probably butcher it. <laughs> but it's, what is important here is also the word for praise at her. Spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. Isn't it interesting that the word shoot here is another word for praise? Praise at her, praise at your enemy. It almost sounds as if now, like, a, like I said, praising is almost like a battling against the enemy. Like praising is almost as if like a, you are, it's your weapon that you cast at your enemy, you cast at the enemies of your life. I wanted to say Goliath, but hmm, probably not a good example. We'll move on. So 2 Kings 6, verse 15 to 17, it says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Remember here, like the, uh, the enemy has scattered around the cities, and they were about to attack, and uh, they gathered a lot of chariots and a lot of armies. And now uh, there's Elijah and his servant, just two of them only. So now he's like a, his servant's like, oh, wow, again, afraid. Oh, look at this army that's right before us. We can see them physically. But what Elijah said was, then Elijah prayed and said, Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Isn't it amazing sometimes when you begin to pray, when God begins to open your eyes, you begin to see that your army that you have, the weapons that you have, it's a lot more. It's overwhelming. Like the enemy has no chance. The enemy doesn't stand even a single chance. Like I used in the World War II example, you have the atomic bomb, they come, you just launch one, boom. <laughs> but the problem is we don't use it. <laughs> so in a lot of sense, I would say like the enemy there, there is just, uh, why are you so using scare tactics against us? And when we don't have the foundation of the word of God, a lot of times like, you'll fall under this, like, uh, this scare tactics. And uh, I remember the example from... Um, Jesus Christ, when he was tempted in the desert for 40 years, what happens after 40 years? Satan comes and brings him to the top of the mountain. Then I think it's interesting because Satan even used passages from the Bible that's misquoted and it's used in the wrong way. So it's interesting sometimes like uh, the enemy uses <laughs> the word of God that's in the wrong sense to trick you somewhere else pretty sneaky but he's Satan so let's also take a look at Romans 9 verse 15 through 18 for he says to Moses I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion so then it depends not on human will or exertion but on God who has mercy for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I've raised you up you, that I may show my power in you and that my name might be pro proclaimed in all the earth. 
so that he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And also in Acts 15, verse 16 through 18. After this, I'll return. I'll rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I'll rebuild its ruins. And I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Isn't it such a great hope that we have that Christ is our vanguard, that has defeated the enemy, and that he will come back and he will restore and rebuild the ruins. There's almost a, it's, it's one of those where uh, your inheritance is guaranteed. It's coming, you just have to wait. You just have to be patient. You just have to wait it out a little bit more. So I guess um, in closing, um, I'd like to talk about warring with praise. And recently uh, I've been listening to this song called Raise the Hallelujah by Jonathan Hauser. So I really like the story that's behind this uh, song that he wrote. So I'll read the story here. So Bethel Music CEO Joe Taylor and his wife Janie took their two-year-old son Jackson to the hospital with what they thought was a normal child illness. The Taylors soon discovered that Jackson's kidneys were shutting down due to an E. coli virus attacking his organs. And Jackson began to undergo blood transfusion and go on dialysis while suffering from seizures and respiratory issues. Soon after, their four-year-old daughter, Eddie, was diagnosed with the same infection. And faced with the possible loss of their son and daughter, the couple crowded to the community for prayer and support. Joe Taylor recorded a video on Instagram asking for prayer from the community that soon went viral. As Christians from all over the world joined in prayer and intercession for the Taylors. The worship leaders and friends of the community, Jonathan and Melissa Helser, they are worship leaders in Bethel, they were in constant contact with the Taylors from the beginning of the crisis and received news one night that the Taylors didn't think Jackson would make it through the night. And Jonathan Helser said, As soon as I got this text, I feel like this giant of unbelief stood in front of me. I thought, Jackson is going to die tonight. We are not going to see a miracle. So as the Helsers dove into prayer over Jackson, a new song came out. And Jonathan Helser was uh, recounting his uh, experience. He said, all of a sudden, oh my God, this song came out in the face of the giants. I raised a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raised a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. And this song became an anthem for the Taylors throughout the rest of the battle over Jackson's life. So making worship their weapon, more friends from the community came to the hospital room and sang over Jackson and Abby. After several weeks in the hospital, numerous treatments and countless prayers, the Taylors were admitted to go home with two healthy children. Amen. Joe Taylor recounted his experience. God's timing often doesn't make sense until you look back to see the mountains were climbed and the canyons were crossed on no strength of your own. In a battle for Jackson's life, the global church community rose up like a mighty army and joined in prayer and worship all over the world. 
our son was miraculously healed and today is perfectly healthy. It's a great testimony. And this song that says, I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a hallelujah, my weapon, it's a melody. I'll raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. And death is defeated, the king is alive. I'll raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I'll raise a hallelujah, I'll watch the darkness flee. I'll raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I'll raise a hallelujah, fear you lost your hold on me. So I think the, the crux, the most important part about this testimony is that sometimes tough challenges do happen. And no matter what the final outcome is, are you still able to trust that God is good? Or are you going to believe in the lies of the enemy to drown in despair, in guilt? Or are you going to allow the enemy to trample over you, to destroy every fruit that was produced in you? or putting all the lofty thoughts within you about Christ and telling you that you are not important, that you are not a son of God, that you are not a daughter of God, and letting all these lies overwhelm you and maybe even causing you when you're angry to say, oh, I want to dwell in this anger a little bit more. This is a place I want to be. Or in, when you're in despair or uh, in tough situation, I want to be in this situation even more. Although the word of God says, you are more than a conqueror. Or are we as a church going to take arms through the word of God to praise and to worship God, to destroy any arguments and any lofty thoughts that's raised against the knowledge of Christ so that the enemy will not even have a foothold within your life so that we can stand as a united body of Christ supporting each one, of, each one of us together with love, as Christ has done for you and me, to defend any fiery darts from the enemies, to quench all of them, and to continually build the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that's living within us. Are we going to do that? <laughs> Amen. So to close, let us read from Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18. More Bible flipping moments for you. So, if you are there with me, in verse 10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all to stand firm, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Amen. So I think we have a little bit more time and we are going to do something a little different here. So we're actually going to sing this song. We'll raise a hallelujah. But when we sing this song, what I want you guys to do is we want to lift up our hands. We want to praise loudly. We want to clap. We want to be joyful. We want to remind ourselves of the word of God. And I think like when all the, the whole community, the whole church, as we begin to gather and unite in one and worship and to raise our hands to glorify God, I believe the presence of God will be here. He will be honored and be pleased to be here with, among us. Let us have no more any crappy worship <laughs> in a crude way. <laughs> Amen. So let us have the worship team up. And I'm going to go offline for this. <laughs>